Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talking Dogs. I'm Graham Hall. I'm the well, smartly dressed chap on television's dogs behaving very badly. Sometimes I even wear my waistcoat when I'm writing my books and recording these podcasts too. Standards, don't you know? But this is the place where I use my close on 15 years of experience as a dog trainer to answer your questions about your dogs. Now, I know you adore your dog, that's a given, but it doesn't mean that you won't sometimes get frustrated with some of their behaviour. You know, you might love them, but there might be times when you don't like them, right? That's what I'm here to help with. They don't call me the dog father for nothing. Today, I'm going to try and answer a couple of questions I've been asked about how to communicate with dogs who are deaf. Now, I'll get to those in just a moment, but I think there are some principles behind how we communicate with our dogs that are helpful for all of us to understand first. I think the first thing to say is there's obviously differences between dogs and humans and and how we perceive the world, but there are loads of similarities. And often, I think it's easier to understand dogs when we look at how things are for us. Now, we communicate in, in all sorts of different ways. Now, we're very verbal, some of us more than others, you might well say. But we all know that there's non-verbal communication as well. And anybody who's been on one of those those sort of business communication courses will know that what you communicate is often as much what, what you're seeing as what you're hearing. So there are loads of stats, aren't there, about if you hear something and see it at the same time, like the old PowerPoint thing, then it sinks in more. So humans go on what we're hearing, what we're seeing mainly. There can be an element of touch as well, you know, in an appropriate way. I mean, there are times when you might pat somebody on the back and go, yeah, look, I'm really sorry at the moment. Can't do that, you know, or whatever it is. Um, I spoke to a lady once who did lots of counselling with teenagers who were quite troubled. And I said, well, you know, touch won't, won't be appropriate in your world, but we're going to talk about it with your dog. And, and she said, no, no, she'd be surprised. I mean, if you're over a table with somebody and they get quite upset, it may well be that you just lay your hand on, on their forearm or something. You know, that kind of gesture. It's like, it's OK. You know, touch is important too. So what have we got? We've got three senses, haven't we? We've got hearing, sight and touch. Now, in terms of priority order, I think if you ask most of us, we'd say we go on the verbal what we hear more. Dogs definitely don't. I can tell you that for, for a fact. They're really going on what they're seeing, right? So we say, don't we? Seeing is believing. And if you could talk to a dog, they would definitely say that. So what you say and the tone with which you say it, you've heard me probably talk before a lot about tone of voice, is important, but you've got to look the part as well which is why you've also heard me talk about facial expressions, body language, all of those kind of things. So if you think about it, if what you're seeing is what you're understanding, that could be quite useful for deaf dogs. Okay, so we've talked about how we communicate. Let's talk about dogs, right? Because that's the whole part of this, uh, this, this podcast, isn't it? Talking dogs, ba-boom. Well, we often teach a command using a hand signal as well, whether we realise it or not right i've never come across anybody who's taught a puppy how to sit without doing that hand up in the air thing well there's variations on that isn't it there's the the finger up in the air there's the hand up in the air um and then there's sometimes people sort of wave their palm back towards their own chest i think that was barbara woodhouse back in the day but either way when we're saying sit we almost always do something with our hands 
right? So what your dog's beginning to learn, if they're little and it's the first time they've done sit, is, okay, so I hear this sound that I don't really understand yet, and I see them do this thing with their hands, um, and then if I put my bum on the floor, I get a treat. Mm, there you go. So there's a cue, and the cue's a thing I hear and a thing I see, and then I do this thing, and then I get rewarded with something, a treat. So in many cases, there's no sort of, you know, one comes before the other. We're actually doing the visual thing and the verbal thing both at the same time. And your dog goes, right, this equals that, right? Sit equals the waggy finger thing or the hand up thing, yeah? I think it's a good idea to do both because your dog then starts to, to pick up on two different kinds of signals. Now, further down the line, if they become deaf in later life which is quite common really you've still got the hand signal there and you bedded it in years ago when they were little and things that they learn in those early weeks stay with them for life so why why wouldn't you and it doesn't take any extra effort the other reason i would do both is it kind of gives you a way of emphasizing something so if you were doing the hand signal plus let's say sit right and then further down the line you fade out the hand signal and you just say sit and you you know the dog understands oh yeah yeah i do that thing if there's a time when you really want to emphasize it it's like look i really mean it you must sit for example this is a busy road if they're looking at you you can do the hand signal as well so without having to scream and shout you simply say sit and you do the hand signal the dog goes yeah yeah okay yeah i get your point <laughs> yeah it's a really nice subtle thing Nobody else thinks you're trying too hard, but the dog goes, yeah, yeah, no, no, I get it. Okay, you've told me twice, in effect. I still think that hand signals probably naturally are what dogs do, but we are human, so we are likely to talk, and as I say, some of us more than others, so you might as well get a command in anyway. So it stands to reason if we were talking about a blind dog, we would absolutely be concentrating on getting the commands right, making them consistent, getting the right tone of voice right, because that's you know, kind of all you've got, that and touch. But if we're talking about deaf dogs or dogs that could become deaf in later life, well, that's all dogs, right? Then it's very much about getting the body language, the signals right, the visual signals. So I think both things are important. Okay, now we've understood those foundations, let's have a think about how our communication might change if our dogs can't hear us. So Sophie's emailed me. Now she says, I've got a deaf English Bull Terrier called Vinny who's just turned one. He's been great at learning signs and he's generally a pretty good boy. Uh, now the main issue I'm struggling with is how to communicate with him when he's playing with other dogs. Hmm. He absolutely loves other dogs and he wants to be friends with everyone. However, being a bull breed and still a puppy, he likes a bit of rough play. Now, some dogs love it and others really don't like it. And he doesn't seem to read the body language. And of course, he can't hear any of their barks or squeals. Now, he's always on lead or a long line, so I can pull him away. Uh, but there must be a better way for me to communicate with him that he needs to play gently, says Sophie. So this is an interesting one, isn't it? He's generally pretty good at hand signals. He's, he's learned all of that. But almost by definition, when he's over there playing with another dog or even just a couple of feet away from you, if he's on a short lead, he's actually not looking in your direction, is he? Um, you're behind him somewhere. So what do we do with that? Well, I think we're, we're talking about touch here, and that's probably going to be through the, the lead um, because he's really not going to see us all the way behind him. But before we get into that, just a couple of thoughts in general about rough play. Um, dogs do like a bit of a rough and tumble, but... 
not all dogs. And so if you've got a dog who can be a bit that way inclined, I mean, I used to have Rottweilers, for example, they can be pretty rough and scare other dogs. You've got to teach them that actually being gentle is the way to go. Now, with a hearing dog, you can tell him, you know, good boy or good girl, but in a nice, gentle way when they choose to be gentle. So, and they soon get it. Dogs naturally sort of learn to be gentle, but it takes a bit of time. Um, now, my partner's dog's a boxer. He's 11 years old, and, you know, you probably know how bouncy boxers can be. Uh, and don't let the fact that he's getting on a bit fool you, because although he's, he's a pretty old dog and he looks it, every now and again he sort of forgets that and just turns into an excited puppy bouncing up and down. So we recently introduced him to my mum. Now, my mum's getting on a bit, so we brought him into the bungalow with the lead on, and he was amazingly gentle. He just sort of got it. He's like, oh, hello. Didn't jump up. He was really lovely, nuzzled into her, all the rest of it. They just do naturally learn to be gentle. And the other interesting thing about that dog is, well, he's deaf. He's completely deaf. Uh, And that came with with old age. So there was a a day when it began to dawn on me that I thought he might be a bit deaf. And we just tested it, waited until he was lying on his bed, pointing away. And I came up behind him and clapped my hands just behind his head. And yeah, not a Scooby. So I'm I'm living with a deaf dog myself. And actually, it's a lot easier than you might imagine. So let's go back to the point of Sophie's dog, Vinny. So he's deaf. I'd use the long line or the or or the lead to give him a little signal through the lead. Now, here's what I would do, though. In the same way that signals that you speak or sign language things need to be distinct, I think we could use the same um, the same thing with a lead, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to go, for example, tug, 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 meaning stop it, yeah? And if it was tug, tug, tug every time and that was consistent, he's like, oh, I'm in trouble, right? So if you go tug, 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 right? Uh, I'm not talking anything hardy. We're not trying to hurt him. It's just a signal, like a tap on the shoulder in effect. Tug, 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 right? And then we appear at the side and go, oh, no. So he then sees us out the corner of his eye. More on that in a second. He goes, oh, 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 I'm in trouble. Okay. And then try again. Yeah, good boy. And then you wait for him to be gentle give him a, a stroke Sophie so that you you're doing that in a, in a sort of smoothing down way so think of it from his point of view if he's getting a bit uppity he feels this tug 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 he's like oh I'm in trouble oh yeah she's appeared mm, all right okay face like thunder mm, okay try again and he's a bit gentler and then he feels a nice nice soft stroke smoothing down stroke we're not doing the pat 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 bang 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 rev him up thing right which by the way tends to be more a bloke thing than a than a lady's thing he then goes okay so i don't want tap 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 i do want stroke so it seems to be that being gentle with the other dogs gets me what i want that's how to put some nice clear signals in for a dog who clearly can't hear you let's talk about dogs peripheral vision they actually see much more widely than we do we've got about 160 degrees worth of vision if you're looking straight ahead you can't quite see sideways right if you hold your hands out exactly to the side and and focus on something in front of you don't move your eyes right as you bring your hands you know towards you a little bit there comes a point where they're in view right and if you check you'll you'll see that's about 160 degrees not quite sideways dogs very different a dog can see about 240 degrees so that's quite significantly behind them it varies on the dog's skull shape so the dogs with the narrower skulls tend to be able to see a bit further behind them dogs with very flat faces tend to see more forwards but they can all see a lot further behind than us 
So that's just a little nugget, a little useful bit of info that particularly if you've got a deaf dog, but for everyone actually, it's worth knowing. If you're slightly behind them, they can still see you, albeit out the corner of their eye. Another listener, Jackie, also has a deaf dog. Now, hers is Dougie, Dougie the deaf dog, that's a good one, isn't it? Uh, who, like Vinny, obviously can't hear barking. Now, the problem is that he can't hear his own barking. I think you can see where this is going. Um, now, Jackie says, Dougie's going to the kennels for a weekend to give him, myself and my husband some respite as his barking is that bad. Uh, now, all the time his eyes are open, if not out walking, he's barking at us for attention. Ah, there's a clue there. So he wants us to throw his ball all the waking hours. We can't sit and relax of an evening uh, as he just barks constantly and louder and louder. Now, we've tried ignoring him, which is impossible because the barking is much too intense and increases, not decreases. We've tried squirting him with water. It's just a game, uh, says Jackie. Also, we've tried a clout with the newspaper. Ooh, ouch. Uh, he runs off and comes back barking. So we tried putting him in another room. He scratches the door on the carpet. Now, he was born deaf, so he's got no idea of the noise that he's creating. Interesting, isn't it? Um, we've talked a lot about how you would do things differently if you've got a deaf dog. I reckon, you know, I'm more on the side of things I would do just the same as any dog in this case. So let's pull this one apart. He's barking for attention, and if he barks, he gets attention. So any behaviour that feels rewarding increases. So he barks, he can't hear it, doesn't matter. And you know, somebody throws a ball, which sounds like the thing he lives for, right? So what does he do if he wants the ball, which he always does with the sound of it? Well, he barks. If it doesn't work initially, he barks louder and he barks louder. And sooner or later, somebody gives in. Let's have a look at all those solutions that you've put in. Um, ignoring him. Well, yeah, in theory, there's a whole load of psychology around ignoring behaviours and allowing them to fade away. It's called behaviour extinction, if you fancy a Google. A um, couple of things to know about behaviour extinction, and that's that often when you take away the attention that, in this case, your dog is uh, is seeking, the behaviour gets more and more intense. It gets worse and worse. It doesn't go down straight away. And I think that's easy to understand because if you've ever been in that situation where you're desperately trying to get something or, or you're doing something, you're in a bit of a habit and you've realised that actually you're probably beginning to sort of knock your head against a brick wall, the chances are that you will keep on doing it. You'll even say to your friend, I am knocking my head against a brick wall with this one, but you'll be still doing it at that point. And before that point, you'll have tried harder before you gave up. It takes a long time to give up. Um, the other thing to know is that if you do ignore a behaviour for long enough, it often comes back, apparently from nowhere. It's known as spontaneous recovery, but essentially the way it feels is that you're back to square one, right? You are winning, it seems to be, you know, on the wane, in this case the barking, it's got quiet, everything's hunky-dory, and then one day from nowhere, it's as though your dog's kind of going, right, I'm going to give this one last shot with everything I've got, right? Um, I don't think they think quite like that, but it also sort of, comes back down again very quickly if you ignore it. Now, unfortunately, at that point, most people crack, right? Because it's like, for goodness sake, I thought we cracked. Will you pack it in? And the dog's like, ha-ha, I've got you, right? So 
what you need to know about ignoring stuff is it, it, it is long term. It takes a long time. Um, so it's all right me glibly saying, oh, just ignore this bargain. I, I don't know where you live. You might be in a terraced house and you're upsetting the neighbours, you know. So it may not be practical. But if you do decide to go down that route of ignoring it, the message really is you're in it for the long term. It's going to take weeks probably, not not hours. Expect it to get worse before it gets better. And then even when it's got better, you think you're there, just be aware of that spontaneous recovery effect. It may come back from nowhere. But stick to your guns, it'll fade back out again. What else you've tried? Well, squirting in with water. Yeah, it's not it's not my favourite thing. It depends on the dog. But what can happen with that is it actually just just excites them you know and, and i think you've said it, it's just a game so it's likely to make it worse not better you know he's already excited he wants a toy you squirt the water he's like yay whoa you know so it, it's one of those things that dog trainers when i first started this used to recommend quite a bit i never really did uh, i tried it once or twice and just thought i don't like this it's kind of boring on abusive with some dogs and actually it's just not working in most cases so i'm not a fan never say never you never know tried clouding with a newspaper well that's proper old-fashioned stuff and it's not something i'd be doing i'll be honest um he runs off probably because he's scared in that moment you know and of course he comes back barking because he's a, he's a trier isn't he i just wouldn't do it try putting him in another room ah well now we might be on to sort of ignoring him but in more of an active way you're essentially saying if you bark like this we'll take you away from us put you in another room that feels bad because what does he want he wants you and then when he's quiet you bring him back in again now he's scratching the door on the carpet so here's the thing you might want to protect the door and the carpet area is there an area you can put in by the way that's not carpeted maybe uh could be the downstairs loo if it's big enough um it could be the door that you put some plywood on it so i've said to people in the past you know when i'm there in somebody's house i can see it why don't you invest in you know a tenner's worth of uh, uh, of hardboard plywood or whatever and just you know nail it onto the onto the door those little pins i often do this with puppies and then you know they can scratch at the doors of their hearts content really i mean just check they're not going to get splinters that's the only worry but you can ignore it that's the point so you can go scratch 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 you don't have to ignore him for long what you're waiting for is just a lull right so if he's like rah, 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 rah. as he goes quiet like that for a second that's enough then you open the door what's the reward the reward is the fact you open the door if you do this consistently he starts to get okay so if i'm barking even though he definitely can't hear it he knows he's doing it yeah if i'm barking i get put out i hate that right but if i find myself out here if i go quiet i get back in again which i love so if i'm here and i'm barking and getting too excited there's a consequence and if i find myself out there it's within my gift if i go quiet I get to come back in as long as I stay quiet. And that's probably the way forward, I think. You've got to get the message right with you, the look on your face. You know, the rare moments when he is quiet, because everybody says it, you know, my dog, if he's awake, he's barking. And if you really analyse it, there are moments when he quietens down. So when you've had that... Rah, 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 <laughs> that yeah that's the moment when you go oh good boy now because he can't hear you but he can see the village idiot smile on your face right <laughs> like, oh, okay that's good right then when he starts barking again well, you know, you've blown it back to ignoring him so we're sending signals out albeit in a visual way or a way that he understands by taking him out of it and we're saying this is good 
that's bad. And if you stick to the guns, he'll get it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you've taken some useful ideas away from all that. Whether your dog is deaf or not, maybe your dog's already brilliant at all the stuff we've talked about today, but has a real issue with something else entirely. Let me know what that is by sending an email or a voice note to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com and I could be answering your questions soon. Do make sure you're subscribed to Talking Dogs so that you're notified as soon as a new episode is available. Until next time, look after yourself, won't you? Oh, and of course, your dog. Bye for now. <laughs>